Hey everyone, welcome to the Actress Diet Podcast. I'm Lin Chen and today my guest is Phoebe Lapine. And I just learned that's how you pronounce her last name because all of these years in my head I've been thinking Lapine. Um, we've known each other a really long time because when I started my blog, that's when you started one of your first blogs. It's true. We've both been around. <laughs> That's true. We've been around for a while. So that first blog was uh, you were the co-creator of called Big Girl Small Kitchen. And I remember seeing you on Barefoot Contessa. Oh, my God. I don't think we've ever talked about this. I, no, I feel like we might have. No, oh, well, maybe. you know what? We, you might, we might have talked about it briefly when we met uh, just a couple months ago in person, just briefly. But I'm going to dig because I want to know okay. what it feels like to hug Ina Garden. And I also want to know, is that how you pronounce her name? <laughs> yes, that is okay. correct. Okay, <laughs> whew, whew, that would be really bad. Um, so I want to know what that's like. And then I also just want to hear more about that because I'm obsessed with her. And um, also very curious because I think she made you like a truffle butter pasta or oh, something yeah. like that. And is that something you can eat anymore? It's not something I can eat anymore, but I could certainly eat it at the time. And it was delicious because truffle butter, how bad could that be? <laughs> well, you, as you can tell, we have a lot to talk about because since then you have started another site and you have a lot to talk about and you have a book coming out, your second book called The Wellness Project. All correct things so, and exciting things. I'm like, where do we even begin, Phoebe? Okay, let's just well, jump we can right talk in. talk about hugging Ina. Yeah, let's and talk about that. Why not? Um, she gives wonderful hugs. I've been lucky enough to receive many of them starting as early as when I was just a babe. Um, so the backstory is she is my kitchen fairy godmother because her and my dad went to public school in Connecticut together. Uh, so they've known each other forever. And I've known her since, you know, before before she had a specialty food shop in the Hamptons called the Barefoot Contessa. What a person to have as your food fairy godmother. I know. I think I we know. all think she is. Blessed. <laughs> <laughs> but she's actually yours. Amazing. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there are probably others who claim that, but I feel like she's my food fairy my kitchen fairy godmother because I actually ended up in this field, you know, partially through osmosis of being around her growing up, not like that consistently, but right when she launched her food network show, my dad and I would just watch it together every weekend. And that therefore launched like a deep obsession with the food network and cooking in general, which had kind of been there before. Um, cause my mom's a wonderful cook as well. She's, I guess my, my OG, not godmother, real mother. <laughs> Actual mother. Actual mother. Um, but yeah, I have a very distinct food memory of the first time we cooked together. Um, I think I was 13 years old for my dad's 50th birthday. And she came over and we made like a totally classic Ina meal. Um, I remember there was German chocolate cake because that was my dad's favorite. And we made these salmon uh, tea sandwiches with like massive amounts of herb butter. And what else did we make? I don't remember what the main course was. I don't think I was involved for that. I think I just got to like cut tea sandwiches. But she also brought over 
a giant can of caviar and potato chips. Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. And so I ate that for the first time. And needless to say, my taste in food has never been the same since. It's been a little bit more expensive. (laughs) I don't think I've ever had caviar with potato chips. That sounds really good. My God. I mean, I've probably only had that. I can count it on one hand. But it's pretty special. I mean, if either of us make it, like we should just do that all the time. Amazing. Have you ever had Ina over for dinner? And if so, what did you cook her? (laughs) I have a few times. I think uh, I can't remember what times were before I kind of started food blogging and, you know, dipping my toes into this wacky food world. But one of the times post that, i.e. like one of the times where I could be like extra anxious about the experience, um, we were at my parents' house on Martha's Vineyard, and I made seared scallops with a like corn and tomato like warm succotash, and I made these smoked fish cakes, and it was the first time I'd ever made those, and they were from like leftover mashed potatoes and this like really delicious smoked bluefish from the local um, fish market, and. It was like pretty lucky that they they turned out okay, but they're they're delicious. She really liked those. Did Jeffrey like them? Oh my gosh! I mean, I'm sure Jeffrey was there, but I can't remember. <laughs> but I wasn't focused on Jeffrey. Yeah, it wasn't chicken, so I don't think Jeffrey cared. <laughs> ah. Well, that's all really exciting. Thank you for sharing those tales Absolutely. with me. And she wrote the forward to my first cookbook. So that was like a major fairy godmother thing to do. Yeah. And she's just been just, she's the most lovely person, exactly who you see on the screen. She hugs exactly as she does on television. And yeah, I just hashtag blessed. <laughs> so, so lovely. Um, so let's fast forward to the wellness project. Yeah. I know there's a lot in between and we'll get back to that, but just tell tell us a little bit about what the Wellness Project is. Absolutely. So this book is a bit of a departure for me. It's uh, kind of a hybrid health primer uh, memoir of sorts about a year that I spent trying to come to terms with my autoimmune disease by making one lifestyle change one month at a time, um, inspired as some of you will maybe thinking in the back of your head by the happiness project, um, which is a book by Gretchen Rubin in which she did something similar for her happiness. Um, but yes, I had been like trying to cope with my autoimmune disease for about seven years prior to taking on this wacky little odyssey. So if you want to rewind, there's a lot to talk about there too. Um, but basically, you know, to sum it up during that time, I, oscillated from a place of like real denial to one, I won't say of obsession, because that's a little bit extreme, but certainly of making choices that from like a not so balanced place. Um, So this kind of, I had this light bulb aha moment slash like, I don't know, semi breakdown of sorts. Um, Not actual breakdown, but just like a, this isn't working anymore. We need to find a new approach, a new way forward. And for me, that was finding this middle ground between health and hedonism, Um, trying to do right by my body and actually heal, you know, the aspects 
of it that were still struggling under the weight of autoimmune disease, but also not give up my life and all my pleasures in the process, especially, you know, as someone who enjoys truffle pasta. (laughs) Exactly. When does the book come out? It comes out May 16th, available wherever books are sold, hopefully. Are you going on a book tour? I am. Um, Are you coming to L.A.? I'm coming to L.A. excited. Yeah, I'll be doing an event on June 15th with Pamela Saltzman and Lily Diamond. (gasps) My buddy! I know two other fantastic cookbook ladies. And we're, yeah, we're going to just have a really fun conversation and evening celebrating all of our accomplishments. But this this book is not primarily a cookbook. No, and I was about to say, I'm the odd man out in this group. But I think what kind of all of us, the commonality between all of our books, um, and Lily's is a cookbook that revolves around um, herbs and flowers and their healing capabilities, but also just, you know, their flavor capabilities. Um, And Pamela just has like a really like easy breezy, like functional approach to health and a really like functional accessible approach to health that's like very omission free. What I think like we all have in common is that again, we we all want to keep the hedonism in food. We don't want health to kind of become just this equation. And that's something that, you know, I guess just like melding my background and my my chefly hedonistic ways, like with this new path of, you know, eating with nutrition in mind, you know, I never wanted food to just be medicine. Like I totally recognize that it has the power to be medicine and it's an amazing one with a lot of promise and possibility. But I think that a meal and sharing food is so much more sensual. There's so much more ritual associated with it that I see, I mean, I won't just say women, I see people in general who take the food as medicine element too literally and just kind of lose lose a lot of the nourishing qualities of a meal that are so far beyond that. This is so great. I can't wait to see you guys when you're yeah. in town and to talk more about that. Okay, let's let's first I want to find out a little bit more about what your life was like before you found out that you had the autoimmune disease and then what it was like when you found out you did. Um, yeah, and, and how that came about. So let's go. Let's go back. Um, okay. Let's go back 22. to. Let, let's go back. Twenty two. <laughs> Sorry. So so college. What was college like? Um, college was you know the usual um, drunken debaucherous <laughs> like all you can eat buffet of fun. <laughs> was it? Were um, you? Because I think I remember that you were raised like with like I don't know carob. And stuff like that. I was. Yeah, so my OG fairy mother yes. in the kitchen um, was an earlier early adopter of the organic movement. I mean, she was really ahead of her time on a lot of this stuff. I mean, she's been saying since I was old enough to wear antiperspirant deodorant, like, do not put that shit near your breast ducts. <laughs> it will cause cancer. It's the aluminum. Um, but yeah, she was kind of like that crazy hippie and would have to shop at like a special health food store um, because all of the generic packaged foods at our local D'Agostino's had cottonseed oil in it, which 
was a big no-no. Um, and of course it was in all of the foods that were, were advertised between episodes of Hey Dude and Salute Your Shorts. So I kind of rebelled against that for most of my childhood by going over to friends' houses and just like having a total binge sesh like in their pantries, just like shoveling fruit roll-ups towards my face. Um, <laughs> But I mean, I rebel, I, I'd say I rebelled, I rebelled in that sense, but all of her cooking definitely trickled down to me. And so I was lucky. I, I knew what quinoa was and millet was, and obviously the power of like clean, beautiful vegetables from a really early age. And um, in college, yes, I ate like many fourth meals of late night pizza. Um, but I was also kind of like the one friend who in our, in our house, in our like larger friend group who really valued cooking and tried to make it work despite the fact that, um, there was no grocery store, um, on campus or near campus. Where'd you go to school uh, again? I went to Brown. Yeah. Yes. In Providence. And so, yeah, that was college. I had the best time, but, um, there were definitely kind of, there were clues along the way that, what I was doing to my body was not being um, accepted very well. And one of those is I had horrible acid reflux. reflux. Um, and I was a theater nerd and loved to sing and loved to do musicals. And I just couldn't do them anymore. I kept losing my voice. I had nodes, which, you know, it's <laughs> devastating. Yeah, that's not good. Or you're an actor. Yeah. Um, and you can actually, you can hear it in my voice. It's very craggy and weak, and it, it didn't used to be. Um, I like, I don't know, just from drinking, I guess, I changed the whole cadence and, and tone of what my vocal cords were capable of. Um, but yeah, that was kind of actually like my first time dabbling in uh, kind of a hardcore diet that was just for health reasons. Obviously, like I'm a woman, and there was dabbling in other types of food restriction yeah. <laughs> in high school. Um, college, I was like, I just exercised a lot. Um, but yeah, it was my senior year of college and this like acid reflux diet that the ear, nose and throat doctor tried to put me on or recommended to me, you know, was no alcohol, like no acid of any kind, no sugar. It was, it was very, very hard to to live my fun loving college life and maintain it. And I tried for a little while and I actually, I did cut way back on alcohol for like a month or so, but that just combined with all of these food restrictions, I kind of reached that first breaking point where I was like, am I going to become a professional singer? Like mm -hmm. probably not. So like I'm in college once, like I'm just going to enjoy myself. Like this is, taking too much away from my life, then it's adding and it's not a guarantee anyway. Um, plus I'm like still out at bars, like shouting. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was like my first time really making a judgment call on choosing health or hedonism. And at age 20, 100% chose hedonism. And so then a few years later at 22, I was diagnosed by my childhood adolescent doctor in an annual checkup. Um, she told me I had Hashimoto's thyroiditis and that was a very scary sounding name of a disease. I'd never heard of it before. And she just, you know, casually 
brush it off saying it was fairly common with women my age um, in their early 20s and totally treatable with a synthetic hormone called Synthroid. Um, I would just have to be on the medication for the rest of my life. And as scared as I was by, you know, what she told me, just like being told you have a disease of any kind is fairly jarring. Um, the whole idea of being on medication for the rest of my life, I was like, uh, uh-uh, no way that I will not sign up for probably because I had, you know, a mother who, used yeah, to give- how did she feel? <laughs> um, Believe it or not, I didn't talk at all. To, didn't talk to my parents at all about this. Oh. Um, again, this is like the 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 chapter of denial. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I walked out of the office and like I cried to a few friends, and I wasn't feeling that sick or anything at the time. The only thing I really noticed was I had dropped a lot of weight. And that wasn't such a bad symptom that I was eager to (laughs) reverse. So I just went on living my life. And I know that sounds really crazy. And it does to me now as well. But, you know, I guess I didn't, she didn't really explain to me what an autoimmune disease was. I didn't even know what a thyroid was at the time. And just in summoning that power of denial, I didn't really look into either of those things. Um, So yeah, I went on living my life and that's obviously when other symptoms began to present themselves that were harder to ignore. Um, I reached a point like a few years later after having left my corporate job to pursue a career in food um, after having just started that first food blog, Big Girl Small Kitchen, I literally had to lie in the fetal position after every time I ate. I just had these horrible intestinal cramps. Um, I had continued to kind of lose weight, but my face was really like bloated all the time. I was exhausted, um, always getting sick, had brain fog, and I had to stop exercising completely because I would get a horrible pelvic cramp in my intestines, like literally like 20 feet in. I would try, I would go out and just like start jogging and have to stop and be like, okay, these are going to just be like walks from now on. Um, so eventually it was, it was the stomach stuff that, that got me into another doctor. And that time my mom did hook me up with someone with more of a holistic integrative, uh, disposition. But even at that time, I don't even think I told her I had Hashimoto's still at that time. I don't know. Just like all of that, all of the autoimmune stuff was a real disconnect for me. Um, so this first guy I saw, um, and there were a, a, kind of a few holistic doctors after this point. This is like, I guess, the middle, the middle act in which I <laughs> bounced around to a lot of doctors. Um, but I did like the usual elimination diet and uh, he put me on a ton of supplements and did a bunch of blood work. And the conclusion was, okay, like gluten is a serious problem. Again, not really explained that it was a problem like in conjunction with the autoimmune disease, just that my body was clearly having a very, um, harsh reaction to it. I was very sensitive. And if I took that out, you know, like maybe I, that would bring me onto like a higher plateau of health in general. So I did that. And ironically, (laughs) it was like literally the same week that my first cookbook was coming out. So I had this book and I could no longer eat any of the recipes in it. 
So I was mourning not only just like having to change my my eating habits drastically. And this was six years ago, by the way. So now it's really easy. But back then there was like one loaf of gluten-free bread at the market in the freezer section. Now there's, you know, whole aisles. Um, but yeah, this morning that lost for my social life, but then also, you know, for my career, I had at that point, like taken on all these odd food jobs and was private chefing and catering and obviously setting out to sell this book. Um, and I was just like, so worried at the time for what this one simple change, just taking gluten out would have on all of those things. Um, but it, of course, you know, really did help. Um, I gained some weight back in like a way that made me look like a healthy human again. And, you know, the color came back to my cheeks. I, you know, stopped being so exhausted all the time. Um, and yeah, that alone kind of put me onto that higher plane for a little while. But, um, eventually because I was going unmedicated for all of this time and not making like really a lot of other changes, um, yeah, eventually all of it caught up with me once again. So I then, yeah, bounced around to some other holistic doctors who put me on even more extreme protocols, like, you know, detoxing my apartment head to toe. Like I could only eat organic foods. I couldn't eat anything canned unless I could be sure that it was a BPA free lining, you know, just like a lot of, a lot of the wellness stuff that you read on listicles these days. Um, and it was all, you know, all good advice. There was nothing, you know, I'm sure had I like done a cleaning of house head to toe, like I may have like sped things up, but it was just like so much change, so much information all at once and given in like a very short period of time. Cause that's of course all you have, have with these doctors. Um, they can't like spend a full day with you explaining the reason behind all of these things. And I'm someone who's like really driven by the why. Um, so yeah, a lot of it just kind of went in one ear out the other, but at the same time, like the more things I tried to do, the more obsessive I felt and the less like, well, I felt at the end of the day, it was just a lot of guilt for all of the things that I wasn't meeting on her long list of requirements. And yeah, basically at that, at that point that, that crossroads, that's when I decided to, yeah, change things up and take on this crazy little thing called a wellness project. Um, and however hundred many pages later, we <laughs> all can go on that journey with you. 300. <laughs> 300 to be exact. Um, I was just thinking about you talking about, well, first of all, I should say, before I go into how I was thinking about how you reminded me of Grace Bonnie, which I'll get to in a second. Um, oh, thank you. Yeah. I love <laughs> Isn't she great? Well, um, I will first, I will say that um, I am so excited to read the book because I just recently found out that I have a gluten sensitivity oh. and it's the very beginning stages. I don't even know if this means like I haven't gone to the doctors really. So I haven't like, I'm in, I'm, I don't, I wouldn't say I'm in denial, but like, I'm in, I'm in like baby stage. So how I nice mean, to know my friend wrote a book. Yeah. But <laughs> all this stuff, especially for food people, I mean, you do kind of have to go through some stages of grief. And I went through all of them for gluten. 
And so then when I was faced with like, oh, and like, I also can't have dairy and like all of these other things, like it was just so overwhelming. I was like, no, thank you. Yeah. Uh, like that's what Grace was talking about. Um, Grace Bonnie, she was a past podcast guest, and she was talking about when she had type one diabetes. She had to like go through this morning of her her identity as like this woman who could like eat cake at lunch. Mm-hmm. Suddenly, when that identity, when you pride yourself on like certain things about food, and that identity is taken away, and God, when it's your job. Totally. Well, I'm glad so you appreciate difficult. that because I mean, some people like who I talked to about it, even like someone at my publisher who read it, they're like, but like, if you, if you knew that wasn't good for you, like, why didn't you just like not eat it or like, blah, blah, blah. It was like someone who was just like, did not understand the concept of healthy hedonism or whatnot. And I was just like, it's not that easy. Like for most people. No. And And it's it's hard, it's hard to like not explain to people. Like, for example, I just did this shoot over the weekend. It actually turned out fine where, um, I, I had to eat stuff that had gluten in it and we just had a spit bucket and it's fine. You know, it works out mm, just fine. Mm. But then I feel like this falseness to my, I guess, my readership or my audience where like I'm saying one thing, but here I am like because you're paying me <laughs> eating the bread. Um, yeah. So like, I don't know. And sometimes you like want to explain yourself and sometimes you're just like, ah, I don't want to. Totally. I had to, I had a few, like in my first year or two off, I had a few situations like that. I'm like, it's a sensitivity, like whatever. But again, it was because no one explained to me, you know, now I understand that um, for anyone who has Hashimoto's and is interested, the thyroid protein and the gluten protein look really similar. So when your body's having an autoimmune reaction to one, it's like a chicken or the egg thing. So not only are you, you know, gonna make yourself have a stomach ache, which frankly, like, I'm like, I'll take the stomach ache, just give me the cookie. Um, (laughs) But if you understand that, like, you're really hurting your organs, um, because it's really not good for your organs or your body in general at large to be in an inflammatory state like that. Once I, like, understood that, that part of the why, um, I've been a lot more careful. How Um, much of your book goes into that why? um, That part of things? Well, I like, so one of the reasons why I wanted to write a book about all of this is that I feel like I learned so much better from chatting with friends and just hearing about other people's experiences. And frankly, like I've read a lot of doctor's books at this point because, you know, do it, take, taking one for the team, but they kind of make your eyes glaze over at a certain point. It's again, it's like kind of similar to being in the doctor's office. Even there's some, there's some that are written in a really compelling way and a compelling and lively way. But I don't know for me and the way I learn, I'm just like, I need like the compliment sandwich, like (laughs) equivalent for all of this medical information. So I tried to get into the why and like in little you know, little snippets throughout. Like there's definitely tons of research and information in there, but it's kind of woven in um, into my, you know, day-to-day story throughout this year, Um, which I don't know, I I, I like (laughs) as a consumer of my own book. (laughs) (laughs) Can we talk a little bit about what your everyday life looks like today in terms of like where you, what you, where you go out to eat and Uh, how you cook at home and how you entertain and how do you introduce yourself to new friends who don't know this about you? Absolutely. Um, Well, first of all, I think it's just gotten so much easier over the years to be gluten-free. But um, 
like kind of the more restrictions I piled on, um, which, you know, there, so the wellness project, I did kind of a different theme, a different area of improvement every month. And it wasn't just food. It was, what was really important for me is that I felt like I was getting too caught up in the food piece and forgetting about all of these other things. So it also covers green beauty products, um, talk about vices, alcohol, caffeine, and sugar, um, hydration, sleep. I talk about like hormones and women's issues, stress, back pain, which was a really big issue for me as well. Um, movement of course, and yeah, another kind of foodie one, but your actual, um, gut health. Uh, sorry, I've lost my train of thought <laughs> as I went off, as I tried to remember all the chapters from memory. Um, oh, but of course, so there were some, some food experiments. Um, one of them revolved around anti-inflammatory eating, what that meant. Another one around actually like making cooking into a sustainable habit. Um, because honestly, like my day-to-day -day life didn't involve a lot of cooking. That was like actual self-care cooking. It involved a lot of cooking for clients, a lot of cooking for my blog, um, and for, you know, guests who came over, but not a whole lot of like just sitting down every week and batch cooking for myself. Um, so what is my, what does my day look like now? Well, the kind of beauty of, of going through all of these pieces slowly one by one, um, I say I took like the scenic route back up health mountain. Um, but by the end of it, I wanted to not have to not have to follow any rules to kind of internalize what my um, what my hard lines were and where my wiggle room was in terms of all of these health practices, um, because there's just not enough time in the day to to do everything. I mean, there's for all of the wellness tools available to us now. Like there's not enough time in the year to do all of them. And that it can be really overwhelming, but it can also be empowering because it means you really can find the things that give you genuine pleasure and enjoyment and just like kick the rest to the curb and not feel guilty about them anymore. Um, so for me, the things that have changed the most in my life, um, there were a lot of one-time fixes that were great and I don't have to think about them anymore. So, um, detoxing my bathroom cabinet, um, switching to all natural makeup and skincare products and also cleaning products. I mean, that's just like, you know, I'll never go back, um, as much as I would like my deodorant to stop staining my, my shirt, my white shirts yellow. Um, that one, you know, my mom really, really caught up with me there. <laughs> hedonism like real real negative points in the hedonism <laughs> column but also very compelling ones in the health column uh so yeah it's kind of like I wish I could tell you like my recipe for like day-to-day -day balance but honestly every day presents a new challenge for all of us um sometimes I'm traveling and you know every day as a freelancer presents <laughs> a new challenge um, but I try and, you know, still do my batch cooking once a week. So I always have food around for lunches. Um, I do still eat out like a normal person every now and then still like the only real restriction I have is gluten. But recently I've been trying to kind of eat oscillate between, between eating less grains and less meat. Um, I kind of go either or like, so long as like one of my meals is one or the other, like great. Um, which tackles another thing called food combining. 
Oh, uh, do you talk about yeah. that in the book? I do a little bit, like really offhand. Um, so I can't, I, I haven't done enough research to give you like the 411 on the science behind it. But real quick and dirty, it's just that um, your body, I think it needs different enzymes for different macronutrients. So um, like it's easier to digest just plants and grains and then separately to digest just animal protein and plants. Uh, basically the idea is don't mix starches and animal protein, keep them separate. Um, but you know, I, I can <laughs> find an article for you <laughs> on that one. But yeah, so, and a big like overarching thing for me is again, and why these one-time changes I think are so impactful. Another one is I like put water filters on my tap and my shower, uh, to get the chlorine and the fluoride out. Although whatever, that's a long story. My fluoride is currently not being filtered. I'm working on it. How did you find that out? <laughs> oh no, I know it's, uh, <laughs> cause when I moved to a new apartment, I have it again, this is actually, this is another healthy hedonism conundrum. I have a chef's sink. So, you know, like the, the kind of faucet that pulls out and like you can spray the sides of the sink with. Mm, yeah. And my old filter, I can't attach to it because my old filter used to attach to like the actual faucet. Oh. So I've been using a pitcher filter, the Soma, which doesn't filter for fluoride. Fluoride's really hard to filter out. Like it's expensive and there are only like, there's only one kind of filter that really does it well, reverse osmosis. Um, and yeah, most of those are like require you to install something <laughs> in your sink. So I don't know. I, I, I haven't decided what to do about that because I'm in a rental. If I owned an apartment, I would 100% just like install a system. But we'll see. Anywho, again, lost my train of thought. <laughs> well, tell <laughs> but, me about oh. some, some places you like to go out to eat and some yeah, favorite I was, dishes. I was going to say like kind of one of my overarching principles that I came away with is that you can set yourself up for success at home and that allows you to find more flexibility out in the world. So I don't like stress too much when I go out to eat. I just don't like stress is not productive for anyone. Um, and yeah, I, in general, I try not to eat like too much dairy. I'm definitely much more conscious of the gluten. Like I'll tell the waiter I have celiac. Um, and I don't feel as embarrassed anymore about doing that in a group because Everyone knows that about me at this point. And also it's just like such a more known thing. I mean, I don't know, six years ago, people would have been like, what's celiac disease? Um, but yeah, my favorite places in New York for like a healthy meal. Oh my gosh, I love Who Kitchen. I'm actually going to do an event with them in June, June 21st. Who anyone... Kitchen? Yeah, Who. It um, stands for human. Ah. <laughs> it's like all food for humans. It's like kind of like masculine and like has like a real like paleo lean to it. But the food is like totally my food philosophy. It's just like really simple, clean, delicious stuff. H-U? H-U. Okay. I just H -U looked it up. Kitchen. Hugh Kitchen. Okay. Got uh -huh. it. Ah, yeah. Human. Yes. You said that. Okay. <laughs> I get it now. Do you know one? <laughs> <laughs> I know many. Um, what else? I don't know. I, I, it's New York City, so there's so much turnover. I feel like when I go out to eat, it's like trying new things. Um, I live right around the corner from this really amazing restaurant, Vinegar Hill House, that's just like beautiful, seasonal, like comfort food. 
so, and actually, I did another elimination diet in solidarity with my partner, Charlie, earlier this year. And so we were like really like full on like whole 30, what have you. And they were great. They like totally altered stuff for us. I think, I think restaurants are getting much more patient with all the food modifications. Yeah. Which is nice. And I definitely have sympathy for them because, you know, as someone who like puts their creativity on the plate, it's like when someone's asking you to change like three out of five things on it, you're like, why, why are you coming here to make food for you? Because my friends want to eat here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> because you have nice tile. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that's a good example. It's like a really small menu. Like the chef is always there and yeah, if they're, they're pretty accommodating. And I think that reflects kind of the the climate at a lot of restaurants these days, which is great. Is that something you would ever be interested in opening a restaurant of your own? I was interested at one point, like I was interested in doing something like a, a who kitchen, more of like a, a lunch counter, um, but honestly, I mean, and this sounds like so defeatist, but like, I don't know if my body can like handle that lifestyle. Like, I don't know if I can do that to myself. I'm already stressed up and stressed out enough as it is like going to work every day in my pajamas on my laptop. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, if you have an autoimmune disease, like you can hundred <laughs> percent like open a restaurant, own a restaurant if you want to. But I don't know. I just like. I feel like I've aged, I've aged out of catering. It's just too much for me. Like, You're not I doing really, that anymore. No, I really put, I think like my descent down health mountain had a lot to do with just like muscling through day to day and doing a very physical job. Um, and just like one with a lot of stress. Cause I didn't go to cooking school. I basically taught myself on someone else's dime via all these catering jobs, which I was doing out of my, my studio apartment in Manhattan. Yeah. So yeah. And involved in, in Manhattan slash New York city, it just like involves a lot of schlepping, very physical. So did you I think enjoy that time. I did. Like, I mean, it was an amazing time of hustle. Like I'm so proud of myself for doing it. And like, frankly, like I made more money back then than I do now. Like that's where, that's where the money is guys in catering. And if there are any young like caterers doing what I did now, like hit me up, I will send you referrals because I don't <laughs> want to do it anymore. Um, yeah, I'm very, very grateful. Have some funny stories, learned a lot, but again, yeah. And same goes for restaurants. I don't, I don't know that I'm cut out for it anymore. Do you miss feeding like a huge crowd like that? No, no, not really. No, um, like it was kind of, it was like a nice test, but honestly, like I think food suffers when you create it on such a mass scale like that, unless you like have the setup for it, like a restaurant does and systems in place and a whole team. Um, but even, I don't know, even restaurants as they go on, like the ones that aren't, you know, made to last, like they do go down in quality over time. Um, but yeah, I just lost a little bit of, of the love in creating on such a, a large scale. And I just got like really sick of my own like catering menu, like never want to eat another like, well, that's not true. I loved my little polenta bites, but <laughs> when people come over and you're entertaining now, what do you make them? Oh man, I keep it fairly simple. I do just like kind of a buffet style blue plate special, like 
one beautiful protein. Um, I got this winter, I got really into roasts. Um, and yeah, some like big comforting starch and then, yeah, like one just like totally big sexy salad and that's it. I mean, I don't know. It's not that complicated. Honestly, it's like a lot of the same type of stuff. I'm like batch cooking for myself on weekends, just like on a larger scale and with like slightly more intentional, interesting like mix-ins. Where do you find inspiration? Oh man. Um, it's been like an insanely awesome year of cookbooks. I mean, I'm so grateful to be in this business and to get sent a lot. Um, feel free. My cookbook shelf though has like totally bloomed in the last year. And so, yeah, I love looking through cookbooks, seeing my friends' recipes, um, trying them out and yeah. And the same thing goes, you know, for, for following peeps on Instagram or whatnot. Although I don't know, just like the state of social media these days. It's just, again, it's like so much in one year out the other. Like I like being able to sit down with a book. Like every time I get a new book, I'll take out my like my sticky post-it notes and literally mark up the whole thing so that like, and and I still have them. They're like falling off of my copy of like Jamie Oliver and Barefoot Contessa books from, I don't know, I guess like the 90s, the 90s? Maybe yeah. the early aughts, maybe the early aughts. But those were the two first two cookbooks I bought myself was The Naked Chef. And my dad probably bought Barefoot Contessa for me. But um, they still have their, like, old <laughs> post-its. Really? On it. Yeah, it's like a miracle. They probably, I'm like, it's a miracle they've stuck, but they're probably just, like, cemented on there. <laughs> oh, man. I could talk to you forever, but we're almost out of time. Ah, Is okay. there... Is there anything else you want to talk about before we, we wrap it up? No. I mean, I feel like we, we covered a lot of ground. We went back far. Didn't we realize did. we are going to dip into college and like my ass <laughs> <acid> reflux. <laughs> I think it's helpful. I think it's helpful for people to hear because I think a lot of us, especially the college years, like that was when we were first learning to be adults. And I think sometimes like, it's funny, those foods are either the ones that like, we like cringe at, because we're like, I can't believe I put that into my body. And but at the same time, those are the foods that like, if we were to get wasted, we'd be like, hand me those flaming hot Cheetos, please. And oh, the, yeah. a Powerade. Thank you. Like, oh, yeah. It would just hangover helper. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, and I think it's like so true. I mean, everyone always invokes the Steve Jobs quote of it's so much easier to connect the dots looking back and reverse. But it's so true when it comes to your health. And like for me, looking back at those college years, looking back at, you know, the first five out of college, like the writing was on the wall, at least the colleges, like the writing was on the wall. Like I was going to get an autoimmune disease probably. (laughs) Like I had like all of the, all of the parts of the equation that adds up to an autoimmune disease. Well, I'm glad that you wrote. Exactly. You had had your experience. (laughs) And I'm really glad that you wrote this book because now we all get to learn from you, from your experiences. I, I, I won't say so. mistakes because I don't think they were mistakes. No, I mean, some of it. I mean, 
that's the thing is like, I was so lucky actually in retrospect to have gotten diagnosed as early as I did. I mean, who knows? I might've, I might've actually had Hashimoto's in college. Like who knows? But, um, I was, most people don't get diagnosed. Most people's doctors don't even check for the antibodies. They don't do a full thyroid panel. So it's just funny. I was so lucky and yet, you know, decided not to take the medication. And so if there was one thing I could do differently, I mean, that would probably be it. But at the same time, I think I probably would have just had all of these same symptoms having not made any of the lifestyle changes and just like been even more clueless about connecting the dots. Well, we are end of the dots. Yeah. <laughs> the dot the dot is the period at the Let's end. Put a period on the <laughs> podcast. Yeah, exactly. Where can people find you? They can find me at feedmephoebe.com. The tongue twister, but that's feedme, Phoebe, my name, .com. And there's info, there's in the nav bar a link to the book with more info there. Or you can just search The Wellness Project on Amazon or the Google. I will have links to all of this at theactorsdiet.com. Thank you, Phoebe. Thank you, Lynn. Love you. Love chatting with you. Love you too.